welcome back to the Southwestern Podcast. This is your host, Abby Foster, and co-host, Allison Garrett. Today, we have two guests with us who are both history professors here at Swasu. So we have Dr. Endicott and Dr. Bruce. They are going to talk about the history of Ukraine and discuss the modern times and the points pertinent to what is happening now. So we can't wait to hear what y'all have to say. Hello, I'm uh, Professor Laura Endicott, and I am in the Southwestern Social Sciences Department, and I teach the World War I and World War II classes. And I am Dr. Bruce, also in Social Sciences, and I focus on American foreign policy and um, uh, 1950s and 60s. Okay, so uh, the backstory of Putin. He comes into the government as that old school Stalinist group is still there. They're old, they're training, they're replacements. Um, he comes in with Boris Yeltsin, he comes in with uh, Gorbachev, um, and he goes into their version of the CIA called the KGB. He becomes a spy for 16 years. So he's very good at manipulation. He's very good. In fact, that was the thing they trained him in. Very good at that. And then uh, as the Soviet Union starts to collapse under Gorbachev, he latches on to Boris Yeltsin, who becomes the president in, what, 90? Um, Boris isn't good, yeah. I can't remember. Boris is out shortly thereafter and uh, for health reasons. And because Putin had just been named his prime minister, Putin becomes the temporary president and then is elected outright in 2000. So by 2000, he's the president of Russia. Now, what's interesting is in, under the Russian constitution, you can only serve two consecutive terms. So what he did is he did his first two terms and um, in 2012, I can't remember the years, he has to step down. No, 2008, he has to step down. His guy that he had trained as his prime minister becomes president for four years and then Vladimir Putin runs again because it doesn't say you can't do that. And he's been president ever since. After his second, second term, <laughs> he uh, got the legislature together, who, by the way, he had appointed throughout the last four years that he was there, and they modified the Constitution to allow him to be president until 2036. He just made himself a dictator. <laughs> um, and then they held an election, and he won by 73% approval. And um, I'll just let you decide whether that was a legitimate election or not, because he claims it was, but... No, it wasn't. Um, so yeah, so he's basically the dictator of Russia at this point. And he has been able to pull all this off because when he became the president, Boris Yeltsin had been trying to clean up the economy. Putin embraces those oligarchs. He embraced the criminal uh, economic system and made an agreement with them that he wouldn't crack down on them if he got kickbacks. And no one knows for sure what Putin is worth, but they consider him one of the wealthiest men in the world because of that. And the exchange is he won't crack down on the, the corruption if they always support him. Here's a good example. When he ran in 2012, one of those rich oligarchs decided, I'm done with Putin. He supported a candidate that actually got 25% of the vote against Putin. And about two weeks after that, uh, a tax evasion case came up and his oil company was taken from him and given to the state and he lost everything. So that's the kind of control Putin has, uh, which leads us to the oil industry in Russia. Um, once Vladimir Putin invades uh, Ukraine, we have to figure out how to stop that. 
So sanctions are issued. Sanctions are when we basically say we will not buy this or take this or do this with you or whatever. Um, the world is going to sanction all kinds of things with Russia. The big one that just happened is we're going to cut off um, our, our purchases of all oil from Russia. That's a huge amount of oil. Um, Russia produces, what is it, 25% of all the oil mm -hmm. that's sold around the world. And yeah. Europe consumes most of that. Yeah. Um, the European countries are now also sanctioning the oil, which is going to put their economies in a big bind. And uh, our prices are going through the roof. Um, Biden did release our reserves, but that isn't nearly what we get from Russia. So it's not going to make a big difference. The other problem is over the last five to six years, we've sanctioned two other countries that are massive oil producers. And because of that, Russia had come in and replaced them as the suppliers. And so one way to get out of this oil crisis is to allow those two countries to come back into the fold and sell oil. The problem is those two countries are problematic as well. One is Venezuela, who has a huge amount of oil that is, hasn't really been tapped that much, but they had some political problems and they had kind of some civil war issues and they've kind of been put in international timeout because of that. We could start buying their oil again, but that would then not fix the Venezuelan problems, which we told them they had to fix before we'd buy their oil. The other country is Iran, which has the second largest reserve on the planet. But because they aren't playing nicely with, uh, well, they're trying to get nuclear weapons and we don't want them to, we have sanctioned them as well. However, there are negotiations with Iran for them to go back to the agreement to not, to not get any technology and we will start getting oil for them as well so technically we could replace all the russian oil by by just bringing those two countries back into the fold but that's other political issues so it's a very complicated international mess involving overthrows of governments and and nuclear technology it'll be interesting to see what our administration and the european administration's do uh, particularly with those two countries. I believe um, uh, Macron, the president of France, is currently trying to convince Iran to play nicely because he would really like that Iranian oil. <laughs> so we'll see. Um, the other thing that we're doing is we're, we're uh, putting sanctions on all of the, the financial uh, institutions that we can in Russia. Uh, even Switzerland has gotten involved. They never get involved, but they have locked down those bank accounts of the oligarchs who support Putin. The economy in Russia is not doing well. And a very interesting thing has now happened in Russia. People in Russia are actually protesting Putin's existence at this point. But don't get too excited about that because they may disappear because that's what happens to people that protest in Russia. So these people are being very brave right now um, protesting. Um, but if enough of them do and the oligarchs who are supporting Putin get tired of him, there may be an overthrow. We don't know. That's kind of what I think we're hoping for at this point, uh, but we'll have to see. And so, yeah, so that's sort of where um, where we're sitting right now, the, the big thing that everybody's wondering is where does China fit into all this? Because mm -hmm. China consumes a lot of their oil. They could keep them financed. And China is refusing to really say anything. Uh, because one, we don't have any power over China. We can't force them. Um, China needs that oil for their economic growth. And China has never really been good friends with us. They've always been friends with the Russians. 
So um, it'll it'll be interesting to see if the international pressure on China makes China then put pressure on Russia. We don't know yet. Um, the only other ally right now that Russia has is um, Bashar al-Assad, the uh, leader of Syria. And that's because in 2016, Russia backed them up when they proceeded to kill a large percentage of their population <laughs> because they were trying to get rid of ISIS out of their country. But he really was getting rid of the citizens of his country that didn't like him. Um, and so that's really the only country right now that's currently officially backing up Putin's uh, aggression. So that's kind of where we stand. Um, day to day, we don't know what's going to happen. Um, the Ukrainian people have been fighting. Um, they are actually doing quite well against this organized Russian army. And I think the social media is playing into that. Uh, people are actually giving people information like, hey, the tanks just passed this street and they're, they're mm -hmm. able to, uh, you know, there was this big convoy that was like 40 miles long that had all the Russian stuff coming in. And people were texting, hey, uh, I just saw the tanker that's going to refuel these. It's here. And snipers were taking out the, the, the tankers. So, you know, social media is playing a big role in their ability to fight. Unfortunately, you still have uh, 2 million refugees flooding into those neighboring countries. All mm -hmm. those ex-satellite countries mm -hmm. are now trying to help these people. And so, so we don't know. Yes. Also, a quick update that Holly and I both just saw. Mm -hmm. Apparently, Russia just bombed a children's and maternity hospital today. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So they, they, they are currently under investigation they, of war crimes as well yeah. by the, oh, yeah. the yeah. NATO. Yeah, oh, there, yeah. there so. were already uh, 215 children that they were had documented had been killed by the bomb, yeah. indiscriminate bombing of you know buildings. And they're using those what they call vacuum bombs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That basically just you know when they're used, they just incinerate. Anything and everything around them, including yeah. people, and therefore, yeah. what evidence you have is gone. You know, yeah. and so, yeah, he's not. He's broken several rules of of, of the Geneva Convention in terms of, of of warfare. Yeah, and I don't think he probably loses any sleep at night over that. No. But what has been interesting to me is the uh, incompetency. I think, or for lack of a better word, you know, of of the Russian military. I mean, yeah. this should this should have been better planned, better done, and and you, Ukraine, which does not have near the firepower that that Russia has, has been able to last this this long. Yeah. And so you begin to think. I mean, what's the will of of the young men that are that are fighting on on behalf of of the Russian army, or, or the generals in charge of them that may yeah. not agree with Putin, and, but yeah, saying, know yeah, this that is... they have to agree with Putin. Yeah, so they... they're only half-heartedly doing right. what they have or, to do. Or, yeah, or are they trying to obstruct yeah. things that, themselves in the sense that well, we're not wild about this, but we have no idea where it's going to end. Yeah. Yes, I have a quick question, and I might be taking a left turn, but I'm curious where you think internationally does. Israel play any part or do you foresee Israel becoming involved at all in this situation or being connected to this situation in any way? I'm, I'm just curious if what you think. I mean, it is an interesting thing that Ukraine has only the, uh, is the only other country that has a Jewish, Jewish. president. Mm -hmm. And so um, you would think that there would be some alliances there. I don't know that Israel is in a position to do a lot of helping them because they're kind of in their own precarious situation. Right. Yeah. Um, but I, I do know that they have come out publicly in support of Ukraine over Russia. But mm -hmm. I think that's probably as far as they're going to be able to go. Yeah. 
because they do have Syria right above them, who's, you know, BFFs with Russia, and you don't want uh, them invading Israel, because then that, that is Third World War, uh, World War at that point. So, um, yeah, you, it's, it's, yeah, it's complicated. I'm sorry, another thing that I just saw is apparently uh, Sony has stopped all PlayStation sales in Russia yes, now as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah uh, so. all of the social media accounts have been frozen. Um, there was a toy company who wasn't going to sell toys anymore yeah, in Russia. All the, <laughs> all the McDonald's have yeah. shut down. Oh yeah, McDonald's is pulling out of Russia. Yeah, all of them um, shut down. Yeah, so basically any company that isn't a Russian-owned company is pulling out of Russia. And, and so yeah. imagine being a Russian that doesn't approve of this. Yeah. <laughs> like, and your this life is... is sucking right now, and you don't have any control over it either. But it also brings up that interesting point, there's another way to fight a war yeah. than using tanks or anything like that. Yeah. When you bring tremendous... And it also demonstrates how the global economy mm -hmm. is all interconnected now. Yeah. And essentially, like I said, there's another way to fight a war. And shutting down McDonald's may not seem like a big thing, but on the other People hand, get hangry. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's it's like, wait a minute, if you're used to that, uh, which is kind of a scary thought if you think about it, because we are consumers in this country, and what if somebody decided to do that against us? We uh, would you, fold in a minute. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I mean, if going if you wanted to go to the ATM and well, you can't use it, or yeah. or your debit card doesn't work, or or your credit card doesn't work. I mean, what are you going to do? And so yeah, I think this is demonstrate there are other ways to fight a war besides tanks and airplanes and other threats. Yeah. And speaking of like things besides tanks and planes and bombs, I've seen that Anonymous is wanting to now do something. Do you guys? foresee them being a part of this as far as hacking Russian government, releasing files, things like that? Oh, the whole hacking thing is a whole other story, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, one of the things that everyone has been afraid of is that Putin's master hackers are going to start retaliating by shutting down our power grids and things mm -hmm. like that. So um, that is an interesting question I don't have an answer for because... You know, you don't know until after a hacker hacks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whether or not they're yeah. going to do anything. Right. That that is one of the bigger problems with the Russians is they're better at hacking than most of us. Hey, yeah. Yeah. Um, we talked about China just a little mm -hmm. bit. I'm curious how you feel about does this situation um, create an environment that might be easy for China to decide? Well, we'll while this is all going on, we'll just invade Taiwan. There is a very big concern about yes. that. Um, especially if this turns into a war um, where we get involved. And, and that is a possibility that I forgot to talk about. Um, all of these these people are fleeing into Poland and to all of these NATO members. Poland is a NATO member. And if Russia crosses that border into Poland, we are required by the NATO agreement to defend Poland. That's World War III. So the second that happens, yeah, China's going to take Taiwan. They're going to be like, whoops, we kind of yeah. took it. Yeah. Um, and they will be able to very easily. And the reason Taiwan hasn't been taken is we just accidentally have a few warships just hanging out between the, in yeah. the water there. to let the, And if we're distracted, then it's, it's over for Taiwan. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's why China's keeping their mouth shut. They're hoping that Russia messes up and we get involved. Yeah. And they can take what they want. And I don't right. know that China would stop at Taiwan. Yeah. I think there are yeah. other properties they would take, yeah. too. Yeah. yeah. Definitely, it could be very much a, an aggressor nation if yeah. given the right opportunity. Yeah. I mean, look what they've done to Hong Kong. Yeah. When there were all sorts of promises made to Hong Kong and uh, China. Let them, you know, go along for a while and then did the big crackdown. 
you yeah. know, on Hong Kong. So I think my closing remarks is we're just going to have to watch and see what yeah, happens we're just because have to, yeah. at this point, I mean, most of the negotiations are behind closed doors. We are privy to what they're doing. Yeah. Um, and so we, we just hope they do the, the right thing and this is over soon. Yeah. Do you have a gut feeling on how this might play out if you had a... If, no. if you had a crystal ball, <laughs> that's a good answer. Just no. I think the problem is is that, I mean, you are Putin is a wild card. Yeah, and absolutely. Is is he's he's not obviously not playing fair or by the rules, and he's also somebody pretty well much that's devoid of a moral conscience. Yeah, and when you're devoid of a moral conscience, and we've dealt throughout history with a lot of those people. Uh, then uh, the rules of life don't apply to them, and yeah. they will do what they want. And so I, you know, but I also see another problem for him. As this war has become, how is he going to become desperate because the war has become somewhat of a quagmire? It has not gone as neatly or smoothly as he thought it would go, be. He thought he was just going to roll in there, and the Ukrainians were, were going to basically fold and... Uh, that's that is not what's happened. So if he gets desperate and he has to basically say face, he has to essentially make himself look good. Then what would he do uh, to to do that? But on the other hand, I think he realizes, you know, how much does he want to egg on NATO? Yeah. And uh, yeah. I mean, surely you would think he would not want to do that, um, but who knows? Yeah, and it, and it could be that. The oligarchs just get rid of him when yeah. they're tired of this. Yeah, I think that's what some people are hoping for. Yeah. But they've lost their money and their luxury—you uh, know, their life of luxury. They're not going to be too happy about yeah. it. Well, thank you guys for coming in today and letting us know about all this stuff. It was nice to kind of get to know it from because a lot of us don't have news and stuff. So it was cool to hear about it all. Thank you guys so much for coming in.